<laughs> Good evening. And welcome to another edition. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening, or good morning as the case may be on all the East Coast time zones stretching commercially, to the Hawaiian Island chains, and to Europe, connecting to the World Wide Web. This is Conversations at Midnight. I am your host, Tuesday. And today is a very, very special episode. Um, tackling it as best as I can uh, while keeping some sort of composure. Before I, uh, before I begin, before I even continue on, in the state of current events and everything in between, as I'm recording this, uh, this episode, there is news um, that the actor Gilbert Gottfried had passed on. For those of you who don't remember him, he uh, he was a few voices in uh, in classic uh, the Disney films, Disney animated films, and and things like that. Uh, also for his high pitched voice <laughs> or his weird raspy high voice, uh, very intriguing. But uh, he he has passed on. He died April twelfth, twenty twenty two, in Manhattan. And, uh, yeah, very shrill voice, I guess is what would be a, a better word. So, condolences to anyone who was a fan of his and condolences to his family. So, um, more importantly, or, or I guess for me, more importantly, especially speaking on the topic of death, as we all saw this, um, the title, <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm going to name it, but I'm sure I'm going to make it obvious. Today is a very special day. It is April the 13th. April the 13th marks the... So April the 13th, 2022 in particular, marks the fourth, I believe it's the fourth year of Art Bell's uh, passing. He passed away on Friday the 13th. Friday, April the 13th, uh, 2018. And I... I found it impossible. I found it impossible for me to continue on with this podcast without doing uh, any sort of tribute, especially on a day that I have coined as myself uh, to be Art Bell Day. I um, I don't know if anyone else has come up with that or anything, but for me, I haven't looked or any. But from from my own creation, I have coined it on my own as Art Bell Day. If someone else has, then that's totally fine. Give them credit. But for me, um, April the 13th will be Art Bell Day. And I suppose with that being said, I, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't continue the show without expressing my appreciation, my own tribute to uh, possibly the greatest radio host in human history ever um and that is that is art bell um obviously very biased opinion uh mainly because of what he's done for me so before i jump in 
I have to give an appetizer of the ears. And that, and that was it. Um, please listen to me. This is indeed a candle episode. Next to me, I got my candles. I got my matches. For someone as manly, <laughs> as, uh, as, as tough as Braun, as Art Bell was, I found the, my favorite candle, whiskey and tobacco, to be the most appropriate. I don't know what he liked. I'm not. A, I'm not a. I'm not a expert on Art Bell. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a historian. I don't know what shampoo he preferred to. You know, to wipe on his forearm. I don't know. I don't know. I just. If you ever. If you ever heard Art talk. If you've ever heard him speak, he can be very straightforward, very strong, very brawn. Um. And he and he used to smoke cigars, so hence the tobacco as well. I do not know if he was a whiskey man. I'm not entirely sure. So I'm gonna light it. I'm gonna already jump into this. Let's ignite the candles. There you go. Well, while everyone is continuing doing that, you can uh, listen in on my own voice. If you're still lighting or prepping, maybe pouring yourself a glass of wine or some sort of soda. Um, like two episodes ago, I haven't. I do have a drink in front of me. It is another Mountain Dew Thrashed Apple. I'm going to open that right now as well because we are going to prep for this. This is this is a long haul episode. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't imagine it to be insanely short. So prep away to my truck drivers. God bless you. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Keep that wheel steady and continue pushing on to the end of that, onto the end of that objective. My road trippers. Oh, how I admire ye. Thank you so much for being explorers, especially for tuning in. Thank you for having me be a part of your journey. Uh, I actually find it quite quite amazing. To anyone, a normal day-to-day person who's just doing their thing and, and they decided to, uh, to take a gander at the podcast who listens in on a normal daily basis, whether you're at work, whether you're doing some sort of other errand slash activity, thank you as well for having me a part of your day. And I feel really grateful for that. There's many people out there, there's many fish in the sea that you could have chosen, and I'm sure that you will eventually transition or end it here and switch to them. But thank you for even having me as uh, as just a small part of your day. I can't explain to you how grateful I am for that. Now, now that everything's out of the way. Oh, one last thing. That's not true. One last thing. My email, if you have any any stories, if you have any sort of emails that you want to write me please write me at stories at midnight at yahoo.com if you want me to share it on the on the podcast um make sure to write so in the email say that hey by the way you can also read this on the podcast i wouldn't mind if not i'm going to assume that you don't want me to 
But the email is stories at midnight at yahoo.com. I'm going to say that one more time. Stories at midnight at yahoo.com. At the end of the show, I will repeat it again. But just in case, there you go. So without a further ado, are you ready? Let's go. We're going to jump into this. We're going to, um, I was talking about allowing me to be a part of your day. And I feel like this is a good segue. When, man, (laughs) here it comes. When um, Art Bell There's, there's only a handful of people, like entertainers, people who get behind a microphone, people who use their voice, people who, who are in a position to, uh, um, to influence others. There's only very few people that, ex- that have existed on this planet or exist that have an effect on me in a very strong way. Normally, you know, I'll be a fan of somebody. I'll sit there and go, oh, wow, very intriguing. Okay, cool. And then that's as far as it goes. I find you intriguing, very cool, um, great, fantastic. But there's a select few. There's a very, very exclusive few that I have, at least as of right now, that I've come across that I, that I sit there and I think to myself, okay, there's something very, very special about you that I really enjoy. One of them is Art Bell. The other is Norm MacDonald, the late comedian. Both of them have now passed on. But Norm MacDonald and Art Bell. There's a few more, but those two are the ones I really have to point out. Those two for me were a pinnacle of something. I, I, I can't explain it. It just, something clicked in my brain after exploring who they were and listening to interviews and hearing them speak and talk and converse. Something clicked in my brain to where I thought, I want to do that. I want to be like them. Very rare for me to even do that with other people. Now, Art Bell this is an episode about him after all. It's not about Norm. I love you, Norm. But it's not about Norm. Today's about art. The difference between Norm and art is that with art, I could I could close my day with him. I mean, yeah, I, I could listen to Norm MacDonald and you know. But there was there was a magic to Art Bell's profession in comparison to Norm. And don't get me wrong, Norm is a treasure to me. He always will be. But Art Bell really took the cake from me. I mean, he essentially, he's the reason why I'm doing this. You know, Norm, <laughs> I never had the inkling to be a comedian. You know, Norm never did that for me. But that's fine. But Art Bell really wanted me, really gave me this this motivation to get behind a microphone and talk and i suppose that that's the thing i um i grew up i talked about myself a little bit and i'm going to talk i guess show a little shine some more light on who i 
on who I was, on, on how I grew up. Uh, I grew up in a, um, <laughs> in a not-so-wealthy family. I grew up in a, uh, I wouldn't say poverty, but it wasn't, it wasn't uh, glitter and gold. And there were many hard days, and there was a lot of struggles. But it could have been worse. It could have been way worse. You know, life happens. It it does. It is what it is. You can't help it. And I moved around a lot. You know, I got uh, I went from different school to different school. Not an insane amount, but just enough for me to you know to feel something. And I didn't know how to fit in. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know how to how to talk to people. I guess. Or I I didn't know. I don't know. I didn't wear the clothes that they wore. You know? I didn't wear the shoes that they wore. I was just some dirty kid from from Miami. And I and I didn't know how to go about it. I went to um I went to a school at um in Broward County. I don't want to say the school. I just thought about it. I was going to say it, but I, I kind of don't want to say it anymore. But that school wasn't, um, it wasn't my place to be. And a lot of hard times were there for me mentally. When I was about 15 or 14, I came across an audio clip of Art Bell. I played it on the podcast a little bit with my UFO episode, but it was the frantic caller. That was my first dip, my first taste of Art Bell. And I didn't pay attention to him as much as I should have then. I really should have just dove right into the rabbit hole. But I thought it was cooler than that. I thought it was much better than that. I don't know. I don't know what what was going on in my brain. But I, that was my first taste, hearing the frantic caller. And eventually, a few years go by, about maybe like, yeah, maybe like three, three, four years go by. And here I am. I'm about 18 years old. And I'm listening to Art Bell. I'm diving into him. I'm listening him, or I'm listening to him over and over, and I fell in love with it. it. To me, that was magic. I couldn't, I couldn't even get over it. I go to Japan. I come back, still listening to Art Bell, listening to his Ghost to Ghosts. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is amazing. There was a, there was, there was a night in particular. I went to Wednesday's house. Wednesday lives in Missouri. That's all I'm going to say. But Wednesday lives in Missouri, and I went to his house. And we were we were in his room, probably 3 in the morning. 4 in the morning? I'm not sure. Really late. And we were going back and forth, and we were talking. And I, I, I looked at him, and I said, Hey, do you want to just like sit here and listen to Art Bell? And he said, Yes. And we lay down in the middle of his dark room. We had a we had his window open. It was a beautiful spring, cool spring night. 
and we cracked open his window just a little bit, just a little bit. The cool air was coming in. I had one of his, uh, I had one of his blankets wrapped around me, and I was laying on my back, staring up at his ceiling. We both did. We were both staring up at his ceiling, and we just listened to Art Bell. I believe it was one of the Ghost to Ghost episodes. I think it was 1995. I think the year was 95. And we were just listening to the whole thing. And that was, and I guess I'm saying that story because that was the first time where Art Bell took me to a different universe. And this was 2017. The The year was 2017. And he took me to a different realm. He took me to a place that I, mentally, that I haven't felt for years. After coming back from Japan, that was hard for me. I didn't know how to adjust. I didn't know how to be anything. You know, the 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 difference between the be, between America and Japan is obviously like different planets. You know, I come back and I just I feel so different. I have a different outlook. And I and I just wasn't myself. I was I was I was kind of checking out, you know. But to have him make me forget about life for a little bit, it was, God, God, it was beautiful. It was. It was an experience. I only heard him live a, a few times, rare, handful of times. So you can imagine a year later, after that experience, almost exactly one year later, after that experience, I woke up. I was, um, I was, I was in the RV hideaway at this point. I was living with my parents. We were in the RV hideaway. Both my parents had were gone for the day, and I woke up and I walked around. I used the bathroom and I came out of the bathroom and I got my phone and I I thought, hey, I'm gonna listen to some Art Bell. And I there was this website. It's gone now. I actually checked like a few hours before this re recording and it's gone. But there was a website called Really Weird Stuff. And it was a website created by some woman. Uh, I guess like she was logging her life on it. And one of the things that she had was Art Bell. And I would always go to that website to listen to her ghost to ghost archive. And I thought, you know what? I'm listening to some Art Bell. And I, and I remember on the search bar, I typed in Art Bell. And this was on Google. So Google shows like, you know, other suggested lines, you know. So I typed in Art Bell and I saw, you know, like Art Bell coast to coast, Art Bell. And then I saw Art Bell dead. Just like that. As honest, you know, as unforgiving as the truth is. Just Art Bell dead. And I thought, no way. And I clicked on it because, you know, I thought it was like a hoax or something. And already, you can already see the, like, the denial that my brain was going through. And in these big, bold letters, it just said it. 
plain as day. Art Bell, radio host. Radio host Art Bell, dead. And then it said his age. And I, oh man. I just stared at it. I think I think he was 72 years old. I think he said something like 72, 71, something like that. And I just stared at that headline. And then a few seconds later, I thought, no, 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 no. And then I, uh, I saw another, I saw another headline, same thing. Dark, dark night or you know, late night radio host Art Bell passes away to complications of pneumonia. That that's what they were saying at first. They were saying it was pneumonia. Later on, you know, eventually it'll come out saying no, he would pass on from a prescription overdose and whatnot. But at first, everyone was saying it was pneumonia because that's what he went into the hospital for. It was pneumonia. And um, there, there's, there was a, 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 a special sting reading that. And I mean a special sting. I, uh, that was the first time in my life that I actually cared about someone I didn't even know. And I actually cared about them passing on in an incredible way. And I, and I couldn't understand why. For the longest, the longest time, I couldn't fathom why. I couldn't, I couldn't get my mind to grip the idea. And it dawned on me after some thought, with also with some help of, uh, of Johnny Carson, <laughs> but. I forgot who I was watching. I think it was David Letterman talking about Johnny Carson. And David Letterman said, the thing about Johnny was that he played such a huge role in people's lives that I don't think that they even knew it. Because he tucked you in at night. His show was there to tuck you in at night. He talked you to sleep. You know, he, he, he was the closing of the day. And he was saying how an honor that was and all that. And the thing was, is that's what Art Bell was. Finally, after hearing those words, that's what made my brain go, oh my goodness, that's why. That's what Art Bell was. Art Bell was that person for me, for me. Art Bell was that person that made me sit there and go, huh. You know what, I think I'm going to listen to Art Bell and you know fade away to sleep and i would i would fall asleep to him you know some people go oh my gosh how could you fall asleep to such creepy it, it didn't phase me like that it really didn't really didn't but he was a closer of my day or he was just there throughout my day whenever i would go to the 10 acre property that my parents have in northern florida I would help him do different chores around the property. Well, one of the chores in particular is to cut, you know, to cut tree limbs and stuff to make it look like, you know, it's being tended to. And I remember 
oh man, it took me like a, it was like a four hour job, right? And I remember just popping in headphones. I mean, I just put in some headphones, you know, I put them in my ears and I played Art Bell. I, pl- I went to that website, that really weird stuff, dot com or whatever. And I would just listen to, to the years that this, that this, uh, that this woman had. And I just, I would sit there for hours doing my job while listening to Art Bell speak. And it was beautiful. And I guess my brain just went, and it's over now. What What is here is here. And it's done. And there's there's some people, there are some people who exist, whether you know them personally or not. Whether they're, you know, uh, known, popular, famous, if you will. There's some people that exist out here on this planet that you look at them and you go, there will never be another one of you for years to come. For me, that person is Art Bell. Even before his death, I thought, man, there's no one like this guy. And even now, four years later, His words ring true to me. They really do. Even now, there's been nobody who's even close to the way that he was able to control that that microphone, to control that show. That show had an atmosphere to it that no one can even replicate. No one can even... I mean, and I, I don't mean any disrespect, but look at George Nori. It's literally... Art Bell show that he took over. Can't even come close to it. You know? He can't even replicate Art Bell. Granted, they also may argue, well, he doesn't want to. He wants to be George Norrie. And that and that's fair. But he can't replicate what that that magic. That magic that he had is. <laughs> it was out of this world just like him. It was exactly like him, out of this world. And I just, man, man. It's, it's, it's a shame. Anyway, me growing up a really lonely kid, not really having much friends or not, you know, not really being understood by uh, by my by my peers. It sucked, but to have him be there to just listen, it felt great. It it really did. So I decided to do something cool. I I I went back and I listened to a lot of uh, a lot of old Art Bell stuff, back from like '94 to pretty much most of his recent stuff. And I I thought I'd share one of my fav- my one of my absolute favorite stories by Art Bell. I forgot the year. Oh man, hold on. I actually I have it written down in my notes on my phone. I know I know I do. Where is it? Oh, there you go. Yep, 1995. 
if you go to Art Bell, Ghost to Ghost, 1995, at the one hour and 53 minute mark, at that point on, my favorite story, I think, that I've heard from Art Bell. There's a few, but that one really tops the cake for me. And I want to share it with my own voice, because why not? The story is about a man. He calls an Art Bell. And he tells Art that uh, years prior, him and a bunch of college friends, I'm probably going to butcher the beginning, but him and a bunch of friends from college, or they're about to go to college, or they just graduated, they decided as a, as a congratulations, as a congrats to each other, they were going to go on a trip. I think that they were traveling to Alaska. Can't remember. But they decided, hey, you know, let's go on this great trip. One last hoorah or like a congratulations and it'll be great. So he said that they ended up in the Canadian wilderness. And they ended up deep, deep in the forest of Canada. I think they were on their way to Alaska, so they had to cut through there. Well, at some point, nightfall was about to, uh, was about to fall on them. So they decided, hey, let's go stop by this place and um, we'll, we'll camp there for the night and have fun. Well, they all had trucks and attached to those trucks were, you know, was like a pool trailer. You know, I believe some areas call them fifth wheels. Well, he said that they came across this beautiful spot. Gorgeous. Had a river cutting through it and the whole shebang. So they said, okay, we're going to stop here for the night. We're going to camp near the river, enjoy ourselves. Then in the morning, we'll keep going on the road. He says that nightfall comes. They reach their spot. Nightfall, you know, descends. And he, he says that they all got into the same little trailer to play cards or something. And he says, before they all went inside, before nightfall officially hit, where it was pitch black outside, he said that they all saw these gigantic river rocks, okay? These rocks weighed, ooh, probably, you know, several tons, you know, probably two or three tons. And he says that they're all inside the trailer, they're playing poker or something along those lines, and they're having a good time, they're laughing, they're enjoying themselves. There's a majesty to their fun. And he says at some point, as they're all playing, him or one of his friends go, hey, hey, stop, stop, and listen. And they said from the nearby river, they could hear splashing as if something was like running through the river. So they assumed, oh my gosh, it must be a bear or something. So they sat there and they kind of, you know, were in and out of focus of the sounds around them. And then they got quiet and they started to pay attention to it again. And they said they heard this whooshing sound. This whoosh. And then shortly after the whoosh, there was a thud. A big thud. Thump. So then he said it kept happening for, you know, a good few times. And it went on for the time span, about 20 minutes. You just hear whoosh, thud. Whoosh, 
thud. And he said, and it continued like that for a while to the point where everyone kind of got scared. So he said, we're all at the point where everyone's laying down on the floor of this trailer. And he said that no one could go to sleep. Everyone laid down. They turned off all the lights in the trailer and they all just sat there and they kept hearing the whoosh and the thud and the whoosh and the thud. And he said it sounded like something huge was moving around out there. Well, before long, it just stops. Everything comes to a quiet. There's no more whooshes and thuds. There's no more big something moving around. It's just real quiet. And he said they waited. No one moved a muscle until there was enough light, enough sunlight the next morning for them to check. So he said, and you know, enough uh, enough sunlight was out for them to look. He says he pokes his head out of the trailer and he goes out. And he says he something took these two to three ton river rocks and put a circle around them. Something in something put something made a circle around their truck and trailer he said it took the the power of one truck pulling and the other truck pushing to make enough space for the truck and the trailer to get out of the circle he says they all hopped in the trucks and they took off and they never looked back ever since and that is one of my favorite stories by art bell the idea that something so huge exists out in the Canadian wilderness or at least used to something moved those tons of rocks what could have been a bear a black bear moving three tons like that I don't know man I don't know even a Kodiak bear I don't know call me crazy color me crazy I just don't see it I really don't that's hard for me to even see how can something move something with that much weight? How can something even move anything like that? Oh my goodness. And of course, Art himself. Art was, you know, taken back with that story. He thought, oh my gosh, what a heck of a story. And it was just, mm. I'll tell you another one. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you uh, another one of my favorites. A man calls in to Art. And I'm, I'm going to butcher this one. So I'm going to really give you a condensed version. He says, uh, so a man calls into art and he shares about this story he had about his grandmother. I believe it was his grandmother. But, but about his grandmother. His grandmother had, uh, had passed on. And he said the next day, it was his grandmother in... In his dream, he had a dream that his grandmother was knocking on his window. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm already getting chills just thinking about it. He said that he had a dream where his grandmother was knocking on his window. Or he heard some sort of knocking. And so, except for going down to the door, he poked his head out the window and looked at down at the front door and he said it was his grandmother wearing a like white robe or like a white nightgown she was in her 
her PJs. And he says, hey, Grandma, what's up? You know, they start talking and whatnot. And he says that there was something off about her. And she looks at him and she says, can you can you let me in? And he tells her no. He says, no, no, I don't think I will. And he says, and she starts getting so irate about it. And she, to, to the point where she's eventually screaming it to him. Let me in. Let me in. And it's the way that he says it. He says it in this voice like, let me in. Let me in. And he says that in this dream, she's even banging, banging on the door repeatedly and she's screaming and no one can hear her but him and so he closes the window and he goes back to his bed and eventually he wakes up well he said years go by years go by and i believe he said his neighbor had passed away and at this point he's a grown man and his neighbor he has a dream where his neighbor's at the door screaming to be let in. And it was the same thing. It was a repeat of what happened with him and his grandmother. And he said, no, never, never. And he said, in this dream, someone came down the stairs and opened the door for, for the neighbor. And Art goes, so what happened? What happened after, after the door was open? He goes, I woke up. He goes, I don't know. But I woke up and I, I haven't had a dream like it since. I don't know why. I don't know why that one just creeped me out so much to just listen to that, you know? <laughs> oh, man, the chills. I'm getting the chills. And uh, I guess, you know, I guess I wanted to share my favorite stories because, you know, these are people who called in. These are people who called in who shared their stories to art. And I thought, Man, I I would love to share a story. And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine. And someone said, if you were able to call in Art Bell, what story would you have told them? And it took me a while to think about it, but I finally, I finally got it. On the first time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello? Hello. Hey, Art. How are you? Hi. So this is a story that my dad told me. And I thought uh, it would be really cool if I could share it with you. So I'm going to jump right into it. I don't want to take any more of your time, but I thought that it would be great for you to hear. My father grew up in Colombia. I am half Colombian, half Native American. My father came from, a, um, from, from the mountains. His family has property on the mountains. He lived up in the mountains. And he remembers his uncles, his aunts, the parties, the jigs, whatnot, the whole shebang. My father told me a story, a very true story. My father will tell you up and down. No, this is real. My father was there for some parts of it. The rest or the majority of the story, not so much. My father said that... Um, one day, there were these um, 
you know, they, they threw a, they threw a little party up in the mountains, a little family get together. And he said that he had an uncle who could play the guitar like a son of a gun. Musically, you know, talented, big man, tall man, very tall man, very big man. So since I won't share his real name or any real names of this, actually he has, I guess the main person of the story has actually passed away. But for this case, I will name him George in the story. So my father said that they were all having this party. And George is playing on his guitar. He's singing. Everyone's enjoying him singing. They're drinking. They're having a great time. My father says, the front door swings open. Just swings open. And it's George's brother. So another uncle of my father's. And it's George's brother, um, Louis. And Louis walks through the door. And says, oh my goodness, George, George. Your horse is gone. Someone stole it. My father said that George used to have this big, huge, huge black stallion. Just this huge monster of a horse. Which, you know, for those of you who don't know, that's really pricey stuff. That's really pricey, especially being up in the mountains where that's basically your main way of traveling. Keep in mind, this is back in mid-70s, mid to late 70s. So my father, oh my goodness, you know, my, my, my father's watching this all as a kid. And my father says that, uh, that he remembers all of his uncles leaving the house. And apparently what happened was, later on as they find out, George George and two of his other brothers decided, hey, let's go look for the stallion. And this is the best way, this is the best explanation. That farm had different branches, different areas for certain animals. Like one side had sheep, and the next had you know, had like the cattle, and then the other side had like goats or something. Ah. Right, so imagine three roads, straight, left, and right. Right, that's that's pretty simple. You have left, you have straight, and then you have right. Apparently, George told the other two, "Listen, you you go straight and you go right. I'm gonna go left and look in the, you know, look to see if you know if if it wandered towards where the cows are or something." Okay, yeah, let's do that. Let's let's all split up. George goes. Towards his side, he he goes left. He walks for a good deal, and then he comes across the opening where the cattle would be. Beautiful opening on this beautiful mountain range. And George says, right smack dab in the middle of the field is his is his big old black stallion. Oh, and he goes, oh thank God. And in his hand, in George's hand, is a bit. You know, like a little horse bit, little straps that you put on a horse, you wrap it around its head, has a thing in its mouth, whatnot. The bit. So George wraps that around, or George wants to wrap it around, excuse me. George wants to wrap it around, so he starts walking over towards the horse. 
and the horse is standing there and the horse turns and faces George and he's like, oh, there you are, you know, and he starts sweet talking the horse and he wraps one, one thing around the horse's head or he was about to and off from the very far distance, off in the distance, he hears one of his brothers screaming, we found the horse. We found your horse. Come back. Wow. And George goes, but, huh? And George looks back at the horse in front of him. And this monster of an animal, this huge black horse, has piercing, glowing red eyes. And it's staring right at George. And George is not even half a foot. He's right face to face. He could feel its br- its its hot, exhaling air hitting him. And this animal has red eyes, and it's just staring at him. And George is frozen in fear, stiff like a corpse. And they enter a staring contest that no one has ever experienced since 1970-whatever it was. For, for one thing, let me stop you. I'd be gone. And, I, and apparently, as George says, this horse took a couple steps back, acknowledged his existence, turned around, and started sprinting. He says, as it was sprinting, he literally saw this creature disappear into thin air. It just faded. It faded into thin air. And just like that, it was gone. My God. My father says, and my father will tell you right now, no, this is real. This is real. This actually happened. Because he says even as a little child, he remembers everybody waiting for George to come back. Because after they yelled for him, they just went back inside the house and they all waited for him. My father says as a kid, he remembers George opening the door, walking in. And my father said he was white. White as a sheet, as a ghost. Pale. He was pale. He was that horrified. His blood ran cold. They brought him a chair. They sat him down. There was a little bit of hysteria. And they started asking him, oh my gosh, what the heck happened and everything. And George shares the story. And my father says he remembers that one of his aunts started crying. Sobbing. Genuine sobbing the devil was coming for them or that, you know, they were there to, you know. And let me tell you something. My mother and I believe that my father's side of the family's cursed. So whether it's from the horse or not, I'm sure I don't know. But my father will tell you and the way that my dad shared and the way that he talked about his uncles and the way that he would say that those uncles, they don't lie. They're very honest people. Almost to a fault. Would uh, Do you swear to us this is a true story? 
Oh yes, no, no, no. This is real. And from and from what my father says, who my father doesn't also lie at all with stuff like this. My father clearly remembers his uncle walking through that door, looking mortified. And that is the story that I wanted to tell Art. And I also, I really wanted to tell Art because Art hated, hated stories that involved red piercing eyes. Anything of that nature, he hated it. <laughs> Didn't like it at all. And that's something that I really, really wanted, really wanted to share with him. And I really wanted to hear him converse with me about it. If he even gave me the time of day to converse. Now, since, um, since you know, I'm doing this for the podcast as well, I thought, here's, I want to share with you another story. That if I had the chance to share it to Art, I would have. I really would have done it. And this is another one that I've actually held back on just for the sake of this episode. It's not my own. It's something that my mother told me. And my mother was the one who experienced this. And I want you, if there's any skeptics out there, I really want to understand the explanation for this one. My sister, for those of you who may remember, I said I, I confess that I do have a sister. I, I'm very estranged to her. We do not talk. And I want to keep it that way. I don't want anyone to tell me, you know, you have to hold hands and, you know, sing Kumbaya. No. Life is good the way it is for her and me. It, sure, if life was different, that would be nice, but it's not. And we don't really converse much. And, you know, I want to leave it at that. But my sister and my mother experienced something that I can't, I can't even get close to explaining. My mother, my mother took my sister out one day to go shopping for uh, school clothes and stuff. I believe there was a, it was like a prom activity. It was supposed to be like some sort of dance activity thing. So my mom, like I said, we didn't grow up in a, in a wealthy family. We were very poor. So my mom took my sister out with whatever money that she had and as best as she could. So my mother and my sister end up in a, uh, I think they ended up in a Ross somewhere in the middle of Miami. This is real. This is real. I'm telling you this. <laughs> like I, I just, I, I, I just want everybody to brace. They're in the middle of Miami, and my mother and my sister they start searching, or they ended up in some store. They let, I think they ended up leaving the Ross or something, and they ended up in some store. And my sister saw this dress, and she really wanted it. And my mom told her, look, you know, I'm so sorry, but, you know, we can't afford that. You know, that's pretty steep. And this woman my, that, my, that my mom and my sister saw was overhearing the conversation. So she approaches my mom and my sister, and she starts to converse with them. And she says, hey, listen, look, um, I would really love to, I would really love to pay. I would really love to pay for everything. 
And my mom says, oh, no, absolutely not. We cannot allow that. We can't. No. And she goes, no, 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 please, please, please let, just please let me do this. She goes, okay, sure. And I don't, I don't remember the detail. I think, I think she had a daughter that passed on or something. So she never got the chance to, you know, to pay for her uh, prom or anything like that. So my mom, you know, after long conversing, she said, please, please, please. And she gave my mom money. She, my, my mom said that, that she grabbed my mother's hand and put literal cash in, in her hand. And my sister saw everything too. My sister was talking to her and everything. And she put literal cash in, in her hand. And my mother, my, my mother went over to, to the register, paid for it and everything. The woman bought my mom, bought, bought my sister's shoes, excuse me. She bought my sister's shoes and everything. The woman writes down a phone number. She goes, hey, listen, please keep in touch with me. Please keep in touch with me. Um, I want to see pictures and I want to know how the prom went. My my mom said, absolutely, of, of course. They They thanked each other, hugged it out. And my mom left. The woman went her own way. My mom went her own way. I don't, I forgot her name, but let's say that for the sake of the story, her name's Lucy. Let's call her Lucy. A few days go by and my mom keeps thinking about Lucy. So she, so she goes, you know what? I'm going to call the number. I'm, I'm going to call the number. I'm going to give it a shot. So my mother called the number and a gentleman answers the phone. Hello, and my and my mom says hi. Uh, hi, I'm 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 looking to talk to Lucy. And the guy gets quiet on the phone, and he goes, "Don't call here ever again." And my mom, he was about to hang up, and my mom said, "No, no, no, wait, why?" And he goes, "Don't ever call here again." And my mom stopped him again, and she goes, "No, I'm serious." I uh, I'm I really need to talk to Lucy. I I want to thank her for everything. And the man goes, "How did you get this number?" And my mom says, "Lucy gave it to me. She wrote it down. She gave me this number, and she told me to call." When? My mom says, "Well, two two three days ago." And the man says, "This is a joke, right?" She she says, "No." No, of course not. Why? He says Lucy had passed away years prior in a drunk driving accident. And my mom said, no, no, impossible. She says, I, a few days ago, spoke to Lucy and she gave me this she gave me that. She gave me money. She she helped me and my daughter pick out clothes for my daughter's prom. She she and she wanted to pay for it and she gave me your number to call her. The man says, "Describe her to me." And my mother did. And if I remember the story correctly, the man began to weep. And he said, that's her. That's her. 
But how could you have met her? Because she died 10 years ago. And my mom says, I, I don't know what to tell you. Because a few days ago, I met somebody named Lucy. I met somebody who gave me your phone number. And I met somebody who paid for everything so my daughter can go to prom. And the man said, no, I, I believe you. And I think that it was my daughter. Because she always wanted to help people. She always wanted to do things like that for people. And my mom shared some more stuff about their experience with her. And, and he said, no, that sounds just like her. That sounds exactly like her. So the man asked, uh, asked my mother if there's any way that, he, that she could still send the pictures and stuff of my sister in, in her dress and shoes and all that. And my mom said, of course. And my mom sent it to, to him when, when the time came. He was thankful to my mother. He thanked her a lot. And he said that he took it as a sign that she still, you know, that, that he will see her again. How can you explain, like, to me, that that's tough. Um, the only thing, there's only one thing that I can go, okay, I could see it. And it's not coincidence. I don't think it's coincidence. I just think maybe, <laughs> and this is a stretch, maybe it was a sick joke. I don't know. But that's the only thing that I, that I can think of. Because I'm not going to chalk it up to a, to a coincidence. No, 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 no. No, there has to be a line in the sand for that. And I think it's safe to say that that line in the sand has been, was crossed way, way far over. There's no way. There's no way. How can you explain the phone number? Anyone could just jot down a list of phone numbers in this. Well, what if that was Lucy's friend? pretending to be Lucy and no no there's no way I don't even believe that but if that is real isn't that sad that someone was willing to do all that just to for, for nothing there's no leverage there there's no gain there's nothing there there's there's no you know there's no pool there's no way I don't know I don't know that doesn't make sense to me but you have Lucy's father asking my mom to describe her to him. And my, mo and my, and my mother described her to a T. Even the mannerisms, even the words that she used, he agreed, no, that sounds just like her. I can't explain that one. I cannot explain it. That's that's that that's a tough one, and that's something else that I that I would have shared to uh, to Art. Listen, we're at the top of the hour. Let's go hit a quick little break, and we will be back before you know it. So don't touch that dial. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a few minutes. Well, I'm back. <laughs> 
It's funny. I don't know why I said, you know, don't touch that dial as if it was going to be like five minutes for you. It should be just a quick little edit. And then I'm back. I, sorry for my unprofessionalism. I had to use the bathroom and, <laughs> and things like that. So I just thought, eh, we'll just take a little break here uh, for me and then back on to the podcast. So. I, uh, in front of me, excuse me if you can hear my mouse clicks, but I, um, I thought it'd be appropriate if I read one of the, uh, headlines for Art Bell's, uh, death post, his, uh, his passing. Uh, this one, let's go see, let's go see. Oh, so here's one from April 17th, 2018. So this was after, this was after a few days. By the New York Times, under the obituaries, the uh, the title says, Art Bell, radio host who, uh, who turned in, to the dark side. Oh, I'm sorry. Who tuned in to the dark side. Dies at 72. Funny, I actually think I remember seeing this one. Around the time he, he passed. Wow. Uh, the article's by a Mr. Sam Roberts. So there's the credit there. But let's go see. I'm going to just jump into it. The article starts saying, Art Bell, an apostle of the paranormal, whose disembodied voice drew millions to his late-night radio soapbox beamed from the Mojave Desert, died on April 13th at his home in Pahrumpf, Nevada. He was 72. First of all, beautiful. An apostle of the paranormal. I love it. I love it. And yes, he drew millions. He drew a bunch of people. And it's beautiful. Especially me. You know, he, he drew me in. And I'm sure for some of you, if you found this episode by typing in Art, Art Bell, then he drew you in. You know, you're one of me. You're one of his uh, many who were inspired by him. Lieutenant... The David Borchewitz, I'm sorry if I butchered your last name, a spokesperson for the Nye County Sheriff's Office said an autopsy would be conducted to determine the cause of his death. An announcement on Mr. Bell's website said he had chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Quote, Art had a fascination with the afterlife close quote the announcer said he says quote and it's heartwarming to know he peacefully slipped into the next world and now knows the answers he sought after for so long close quote beautiful beautiful i i if you could try to find uh the solace in in, in his death i guess i suppose that that'll be one of one of those things 
And it's beautiful to put that into those words. Very well said. From a home studio 65 miles west of Las Vegas, Mr. Bell personally fielded unscreened telephone calls on five lines during a five-hour nightly marathon on KNYE-FM called Coast to Coast. And it, at its peak in the 1990s, the show was broadcast on hundreds of stations and reached as many as 10 million listeners a week. Mr. Bell once had the third largest radio audience among talk show hosts after Rush Limbaugh and Dr. Laura uh, Schlesinger. I don't know if I butchered that. I'm sorry. But I, I didn't know that. He was third behind. Oh, my gosh. I mean, don't get me wrong. I knew that he was up there. I didn't know he was. He, at one point, he was top three. Oh, my gosh. Well, look at that. That's. I wouldn't expect any less from the man. <laughs> In riveting the narratives punctuated by convincing details, his guests spun eyewitness accounts of past lives. Contacts with aliens, time travel, crop circles, and other ostensibly inexplicable phenomena. Inexplicable phenomena, excuse me. Most of which were accompanied by a knowing affirmation from the host himself. He had reason to be credulous. One summer night, he recalled he and his wife were driving home when a 150-foot triangular craft silently hovered over their car before disappearing. Quote, It really doesn't matter that much to me if anyone believes me, Mr. Bell explained later. Quote, Thousands of people seeing the same thing cannot all be wrong. Close quote. Just how much Mr. Bell believed was a matter of conjecture. He once described his program as, quote, absolute entertainment, close quote. When he was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame in 2008, that's true, that's true, he really was. In 2008, his former partner, Alan Corbeth, said Art Bell had thoroughly understood, quote, how to create theater of the mind, close quote. Wow. Oh. The man who can create theater of the mind. Isn't that the truth? It's a ride. Listen, I've never met anybody in between. Either you loved the show or you didn't like it. But, uh, but I think everybody was able to agree. It was entertaining. Art Bell had a pool about him that, once again, I don't, I don't think it could ever be topped. Not even close to getting near. On one, the memorable program in 1997, a man who said he had been discharged for medical reasons from Area 51. Oh, I think this is the frantic caller. From Area 51, the storied Nevada airbase that has long stoked rumors of unidentifying, unidentifying flying objects was mysteriously cut off in mid-interview. What we're thinking of as aliens are they're extra-dimensional beings, the man started to say, his voice choking. They infiltrated a lot of aspects of the military establishment. 
on another program. Yeah, well, what they don't say is that that whole freaking thing caught the attention of somebody and it wiped off the power to Art Bell's radio. They had to go up on a um, on the uh, the backup power on a generator. So that's what they did. That's what they're not saying. So that's a little interesting. But no, that that whole story was crazy. And once again, that was my first ever Art Bell uh, introduction to who to who he was. <laughs> on another program, Mr. Bell introduced his guest, identified as. Alex Collier, by saying he had been, quote, in contact with a human race from the constellation Andromeda located in our galaxy, close quote. Mr. Bell has gone on to say, quote, his experience has been both telepathic and physical. Mr. Bell added, quote, his relationship with the Andromedans has been based on trust and friendship. Alex's free will has never been violated, and his experience must not in any way be associated with abduction. In 1998, Mr. Bell received the ignominious Snuffed Candle Award from the Committee of Skeptical Inquiry, a group co-founded by Carl Sagan and based in Amherst, New York, that promotes scientific inquiry and critical thinking. The group, the group had cited him for encouraging credulity, presenting pseudoscience as genuine, and contributing to the public's lack of excuse me and contributing to the public's lack of understanding of the methods of scientific inquiry to which mr artbell replied quote a man should not be so open that the brain falls out however it should not be so closed that whatever gray matter which does reside may not be reached on behalf of those with the smallest remaining open aperture, I accept with honor. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> you know, that... If I was the man who handed him that, that award... I, I'd sit there and go, touche, man. Okay, fine. That's, that's extremely well said. Wow. And I love that first part. A man should not, well, that whole thing in general is great, but a man should not be, should not be so open that his brain falls, or a mind should not be so open that, it, that the brain falls out. However, it should not be so closed that whatever gray matter which does reside may not be reached. On behalf of those with the smallest remaining open aperture i accept with honor beautiful beautiful i wouldn't expect any less arthur william bell the third was born on june 17 1945 in jacksonville north carolina while his parents were stationed at camp lejeune there his father a marine corps captain was descended from one of the original the settlers of stanford stanford connecticut in the in the ninth in the sixteen forties, excuse me, 
His mother, the former Jane Lee Gumeyer, was a Marine sergeant. Oh my gosh. Wow. At 13, Art became a licensed amateur radio operator. He was an Air Force medic during the Vietnam War and later a disc jockey for an English language station in Okinawa. There, he's said to have set a record for continuous broadcasting 116 hours and 15 minutes to raise money to ferry stranded Vietnamese orphans from Saigon to the United States for adoption by American families. He also claimed a record of 57 hours of uninterrupted seesawing while broadcasting. Wait. For continuous broadcasting of 116 hours? Was he awake through through all that? No, he must have slept and then hopped back on hopped back on the air. No way. Wow. I mean, that's impressive. That's insanely impressive. Hmm. Mr. Bell enrolled as an engineer major at the University of Maryland, but dropped out to return to radio. First, as a disc jockey in California, Nevada, students of numerology were mindful that he begun his political talk show in 1984, and also that he died on a Friday the 13th. Yes, he did. April, Friday, April the 13th, 2018. Mr. Bell is survived by his fourth wife, Erin Ruiz, their children, Asia and Alexander, and three children from his earlier marriages, Vincent Pontius, Lisa Pontius, Manet, and Arthur Bell IV. His coast-to-coast show was syndicated and broadcast from 1989 to 2003, followed by episodic returns on satellite radio and online with a program called Midnight in the Desert, which he canceled in 2015 after he said shots had been fired at his home. Mr. Bell said he kept a 40 caliber Glock 22 in a desk drawer of his isolated desert home. He has been known to say, quote, if I had a problem out here, as he told Time magazine in 2012, well, the police would arrive just in time to draw the chalk outline on my floor. (laughs) While some critics accused him of laying the foundation for right winged conspiracists on talk radio, Mr. Bell's politics, excuse me, were not easily pigeonholed. He described himself as a libertarian, but his passion was directed less at politicians or ideology than at debunking scientific doctrine and preaching apocalyptic prophecy. Quote, he was different, fed up with the government, not because of some tax increase or bad vote, but because of what they were hiding. Close quote. The journalist Jack the Dickey wrote in Time magazine in 2013, quote, where others had rage, he had skepticism and a, and a lot of it, close quote. 
With the horror novelists, Whitley Stryber, Mr. Bell wrote The Coming Global Storm, in which a violent climate disruptions led to a global deep freeze. The director, Roland Emmerich, adopted it for the 2004 film The Day After Tomorrow, starring Dennis Quaid. Wow. Oh, wait, I think I remember that. I'm not entirely sure. So The Day After Tomorrow was after a story? That Art Bell wrote with Whitley Stryber? No way. Well, now I have to watch Day After Tomorrow. (laughs) Writing about the film in the New York Times, Andrew C. Revkin noted, Most experts on climate change say a switch from slow warming to an instant hemispheric deep freeze like this one Poised in the book is impossible. Excuse me, I wanted to read the rest. Poised in the book is impossible. Mr. Bell wrote several, of course, it, it's stupid. It's fictional, man. Jeez, what, like, what? Anyway, I hate that crap. Shut up. Mr. Bell wrote several other books, including The Quickening, Today's Trends, Tomorrow's Worlds, and a memoir, The Art of Talk. I need to order that, The Art of Talk. I need to see if anyone still has one laying around. His spoken words had a much wider reach. However, his Marlboro Lights weathered voice blanketed the continent after dark, reliably chilling his audience, one viewer wrote. <laughs> yeah, Marlboro Lights weathered voice. It, it wasn't too raspy. It, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't bad. It was just, it made it deep enough to where you could enjoy. This is Art Bell. You know, he, you know, he had that push, you know, except for, except for talking low. He put, he, you know, he, he put some strength behind it. His Marlboro Light. This is Art Bell coming to you from the kingdom of Nye. You know, that was really cool. Mr. Bell acknowledged that he had a certain hold on his nocturnal audience. Yes, he did. As he told the Washington Post in 1998, quote, There is a difference in what people are willing to consider in the daytime versus nighttime. It's dark, and you don't know what's out there. And the way that things are now, he added, there may be something. And that's the end of the article. Just like that. It's over. That's a shame. That's a shame. Thank you, Art. Thank you very much. He did a uh, he did a show. Uh, just I'm just, just I'm gonna throw this out there. If anyone wants to listen to also something entertaining, he did a show called. Oh, I believe like that little arc of it is uh, referred to as Mel's Hole, but you should you should listen to it. Really intriguing stuff. I won't say what it is. I just want you guys to be, you know, surprised. 
But I guess back to the main thing at hand. Um, <laughs> like I said, I, uh, look, I, I, you know, I'm not a person of inspiration. I'm not a person who can sit there and, you know, oh, he inspired me or she inspired me or no, that's not me. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little too critical, you know, with certain things. But for the first time in my life, you know, I had somebody when I was young to make me think I could do this. You know, I often played around with the idea of being a radio host somewhere in the darkness of Utah. <laughs> but no one listens to the radio anymore, you know. No one, no one listens to the radio as much. Now it's where we're in the age of, age, well, we're in the age, excuse me, we're in the age of satellite radio. You know, the internet. The internet's king as of right now. The internet controls everything up and down. Which is fine, you know, it's just adaptability. It's just a shame, you know, I would love it if the radio made some sort of comeback. You know, if people got tired of flipping through their phones or their laptops and they just turned on a nice car radio and sat in the middle of a cornfield or something, you know. To me, that's magic. To me, that's, that's, that's beauty. That's like some sort of essence of being human, you know. I feel like when he ruled the radio, in my opinion... I feel like when he ruled the nighttime, that was during a time where technology and man were nearly equal. There was an equilibrium, you know, in my opinion. There was almost a harmony. And now it seems like technology is so far over us now. That it simply controls our everyday life. When I did that 10 hour drive. When I went to save my uncle from being stranded in the middle of Yakima. I felt free. There was such a beauty there. And I was so glad that I hit moments where I lost signal. But I cannot express to you how amazing that whole drive was. I can't even express to you how it felt to just get lost. No technology, no nothing. It was just me. Okay, sure, I used the GPS. Teehee. But, <laughs> but besides that, like, you know, I wasn't sitting there. I wasn't, you know, I just... I just turned on some, some light tunes, and I was gone. I took off. Or, believe it or not, I actually flipped on Art Bell. Other than that, it was me and the radio and my dog. And we were on that road for 10 hours. Actually, 11, because I stopped some, you know, I took some breaks and stuff. But for 11 hours, zooming, pushing 80 miles an hour for 11 hours, just trying to get to my uncle. 
seeing the trees in the hills of Oregon and Washington. It was gorgeous. Can you imagine being alive back then? I'm sure some of my listeners can because they lived it. But for any younger audience, can you imagine being alive back then? Going going from point A to point B, and it was just you and anything else that you decided to turn on, like a radio or something. And that was it. That's all you had. Nowadays, you don't feel so alone. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why some people are just breaking down mentally. Because the moment that they get any time of loneliness, they feel uncomfortable. They feel like there's an attack on their mind. But back then, I can, that's all, you know, there were times where you had to be alone. And you couldn't stop it. And then you have this guy, Art Bell, comes on the radio from the kingdom of Nye. And he, you don't feel so alone anymore. You have somebody with you. He was a part of your night. And I guess that's what I was trying to say earlier. If, if in case I didn't say it. <laughs> if I wasn't clear enough. He became a part of your day. He became a part of your night. It was like he was tucking you in in a weird way. Or he was, you know, being that companion for, for you. If you're, you know, a road warrior, road tripper, traveler. He was your partner in crime. He was the guy that sat there and went, Hey, brother, welcome to, the, you know, come tune in to this kingdom of Nye. My kingdom that sits on top of the desert. And I'll comfort you the whole way there. And it was, it was comforting. And then especially when he had these open lines and people would call in. When I, when I would drive up to the, to the property up north in Florida, in an area called High Springs. That was a five-hour drive from Miami there. Five hours I would sit there in that car, listening to him. And anytime I see them, I seem to make a huge trip, I go camping or anything like that. There he was. I would have him with me in 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 my pocket. And I would just play it. I would listen to it. And I couldn't get enough. I still can't. I can't tell you how many times I've re-listened to some of the Ghost to Ghosts. Knowing what, what story's coming up. And I go, oh, this is such a good one. And then I just listen. Times have changed. Times have changed. If, and if, if I could be anything close to what he had. I'd consider myself successful. But I won't. I won't even. I won't even be big enough. To touch his uh, shoelaces. Anyone who. Has come after him. Anyone who. Who, who has been in the position. That they're in because of him. They're standing on the shoulder of a giant. We all are, if you ever enter this genre. I'm not saying you have to love the guy. I'm not saying that. 
And if you don't love him and you sat here long enough for the past hour and a half, listen to me talk about somebody that you don't like, that's fine. But I think it's safe to say since you lasted so long, it's easy to admit that you don't have to like him, but you could at least respect him for what he's done for radio and for people like me. That man paved the way. He did it right. And that and that man was absolutely right when he said he found out a way to create a theater for the mind. He really did. He absolutely did. And it was gorgeous. Still is. Even now if you listen to his old stuff. Anyone in Pahrumpf, Nevada, you guys took a hit that day. In 2018, on April 13th. You guys took a hard hit that day. And I'm sorry. I, I really am. Godspeed, everybody. Godspeed. I, uh, I'm, I, I would like to share a few more stories. If that's okay with you. And, um, because I feel like the best way to honor Art Bell is just talking about the weird and the unusual. So, Art, if you're out there, except for you talking behind the mic, you can sit back and relax and listen to this one. So, here's a few stories of mine. Without a further ado, I would like to just share them. When I was younger, and I, I, I'm sure every family has their own version of this, but when I was younger, we would try our hardest to have like family meetings and stuff. And the intention behind them was, was, was good. I don't think there's anything bad behind it. It was, we tried. <laughs> but it always ended up into arguments. Someone would always say something or... Someone would make a dumb comment, and next thing you know, my father would get upset, or my mom would get mad, and a yelling match would happen, and essentially, that's what became of it. Well, one time, in particular, there was a um, there was a family meeting, and it started off usual. You know, we try to, hey, how are you? So tell me about what's going on in life, and you know, it was that constant. Uh, flow well eventually something happened and in this case it was between my brother and my father and they got into a little argument and my mom joined in so then the three of them were mixing the pot together so I stood up I said hey I'm gonna use the bathroom and I just wanted to get away from all the all the stupidity so I stood up I went to the bathroom I used the bathroom and I came back Except for entering the living room, I just stood in the room next to it. And that room was a bedroom. I just used the bathroom there because it was the closest one. And I was standing in the dark. The only light that was coming through was when the door was open and it was coming from the living room. And I remember I stood all the way in the back away from the light in case anyone walked by. They couldn't really see me. And I just stood there, and I was listening to the argument, and I was trying to build the courage to go back. I really didn't want to. I really didn't. 
But, you know, I just, I told myself that I had to and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I can't tell if I told this story before on the podcast. I don't remember. I'm not sure. But I was just standing there. And behind me was where the bathroom slash closet area was. And the closet was directly to my, to my right. The door to the closet was directly to my right. And I just, and I remember standing there. Staring. Watching or hearing everything. And I could see some of the shadows and stuff. Hands moving and arms flailing, you know. And underneath... Underneath the the yelling, underneath the arguing, and this is real. This is this is genuine. This is one hundred percent what what I experienced. I heard two voices coming from the closet, and it was to my to my impression, it was a young man and a and like a young woman, like young kids. Younger than me at the time. I was like 15, 16 at the time. And they were in an argument. Oh, I'm sorry. My family was in an argument and they were talking. And I heard the boy say to the girl, Do you think we should tell him? And the girl says, I don't know. What do you think? And the hairs on the back of my neck stood straight up. I got this cold chill down my spine. This is no joke. This is real. This is 100% real. I had this cold chill go down my spine. And I stood straight up and I fast walked out of that room. No joke. As clear as you're hearing me, just obviously in a low whisper-esque voice, I, I heard... As clear as day, do you think we should tell them? And then the girl responds, I don't know. What do you think? When I heard that, gone. See ya. I clicked my heels three times. And that was that. Was that. that was the end of that. <laughs> I was gone, man. There was no looking back. And so that was one of my few experiences. I can't remember if I shared that on the podcast before, but if I did, I'm sorry. But if not, then there's a good one. Something that I definitely would have told Art. Another story. This involves my mother. This is a weird one. This one's about dreams. My mother, she, uh, my, my mom has some crazy dreams. Really absurd dreams. I mean, some of the dreams are creepy and interesting. And my mom, she she experienced something one day and she ended up telling my father in front of me and my siblings, so we all heard it. But she said that she had a dream a few a few nights prior to me hearing the story. So I'm gonna explain it as if you were my father and I was my mother. She says, A few nights ago I had this dream. And it was me. And I'm going to make up a name for the person in the story, uh, Carlos. She said, me, me and Carlos were sent to go check out a customer's car that you wanted us to look at. For those of you, for, for, for those of you who don't know, my father is a mechanic. Uh, and a dang good one, too. 
So from time to time, he would send my mom to go to places and stuff. And so Carlos is a family friend of ours who my dad taught how to fix cars and stuff and how to be like a pretty good mechanic and whatnot. So my dad, uh, so my mom says, you know, we went to this customer's house and, you know, I had this dream where we walked up to his yard, Carlos and I. And we walked up the we and we walked up the pathway and we knocked on his door, and she says the door swings open, and a gun comes out of the door and shoots me, and it kills me. And then I and then I wake up. My mom says, "Well, earlier today, Carlos and I, you told us to go check out a place, and Carlos and I drive to a house." And my mom says, she's like, wait a minute, this is weird. She goes, this feels familiar. And my mom couldn't put her finger on it. And so, sorry, I moved the mic. And so my mother says that she starts paying attention more and more to her surroundings. And then Carlos goes, okay, well, let's go get out and talk to the guy. And my mom and Carlos hop out and they stay, and they start taking a few steps. And my mom stops, stops Carlos and she goes, we have to leave. And Carlos says, why? She goes, I had a dream about this place. Let's go. Come on, let's go. They hopped in the car and left. They ended up calling the guy and they said, hey, look, you know, we can't come serve you today. Sorry, man. And the guy was like, why? Is everything okay and whatnot? And they, uh, they, told him, uh, they told him that everything was fine. They just couldn't do it. And that was that. It's a short story, you know, but it's creepy. You know, my and my mom says that the house that she saw in the dream was the house that she was in front of the car and the driveway and everything. She saw it all. She stared at it all. She acknowledged it all. Sometimes dreams are weird. Sometimes dreams are very weird. I experienced this one dream. This was about two, three years ago, three years ago, I think it was. I was, um, oh no, it was two, it was 2020, the year is 2020, not that, I, not that that matters, it just, I was laying down in bed, I had a friend sleeping over, and they ended up sleeping in the same room as me, we were just lengths away, and, cause someone else was using the other rooms and stuff, and, you know, it, it was like a sleepover party thing. So I kept my distance from her. I, you know, we didn't do anything, you sickos. But, you know, I, I kept my distance from her. And Anyway, I was laying down. And I was, uh, I was fading in and out of sleep. I was tired, but I wasn't, you know, I was, I, I was walking that tightrope there. And at some point, I opened up my eyes. Excuse me, wow. I, I opened up my eyes. And I stared up at the ceiling. And I heard this knocking on the door. I mean, on, on, on the window. And I, and I thought, what the heck is that? So I sat up and I looked over. And there was a girl crouched in the windowsill. Knocking. And we were in the basement, so it was more like a window well, I think it's called. And she was sitting in the window well. And she was staring at me. And it wasn't anything gross or anything cheesy. But she was staring at me. Blonde, blue-eyed, beautiful girl stares at me. 
and she's bleeding from the side of her head. Nothing gory, nothing. It was just blood, you know? Like, she fell, hit her head, and we were staring at each other. And I call over to my friend. I'm going to call her Lisa. I go, Lisa, hey, Lisa. And Lisa's not answering. And I, you know, Lisa. And finally, I hear her go, yeah. And I say, hey, I don't, I can't tell if I'm losing it or not. But there's a girl crouched in the window well, staring at me and her head is bleeding. We should, we should probably help her. And that's all I said. The girl and I are just staring at each other. And next thing you know it, I wake up. I'm back on the bed. I'm laying down. And I'm being woken up by Lisa. Lisa was shaking me. And I look at Lisa and I go, what, what, what? She goes, are you okay? And I say, yeah, why? She goes, because you just called, you know, because you're across the room. And you kept calling my name. And you said... That there's a girl in the window, crouched, bleeding, and you're staring at her. And I looked at her, my eyes opened, I, and, I, and I told her, I said, I said that? And she goes, yeah, you were calling me, and you told me what you were looking at. And that, you know, not to be anticlimactic, but that was basically it. I just told Lisa, you know, all, all the details about it and stuff, and she was shocked. I was shocked. And we just sat there confused and the girl i won't lie she gave me this stare like you can see me that's like the best way that i can explain that stare and it was intriguing to me it was weird very hard for me to explain you know i almost can't even explain it at times and i still think about that girl but i don't know I uh I guess I guess the best way for me to do this now is just beginning to wrap this up and I can't think of anything else than just thanking Art Bell. So if Art was sitting in front of me, I would or if I was on the if if I was on the phone with Art, I would tell him, "Hey Art, uh thank you so much for everything." Thank you so much for keeping me entertained many, many nights. And thank you for doing what, what you do best. Which is be a friend to us people who can't seem to go to sleep at night or who have to stay awake at night. You are our midnight companion. And because of you... That's why I named the podcast Conversations at Midnight. I want to do something at night, just like how you did it. And I want to thank you for that, Art. I uh, I know you don't really have a, a truck for anything sentimental or anything of that nature, but uh, I want to say thank you, and um, and I really appreciate you. Um, if it means anything, you've inspired me and many other people like me. And just know that whatever you've done has now been passed on to other people. 
My only hope is that we can achieve anything close to the reverence and the aplomb that you have. I thank you so much, Art. And um, if there is a God, if there is a higher power, and if there really is an afterlife, if there really is a, a life after this, and if you're there, I want to come find you in, in that life. I missed my chance in this one, and I'm not going to miss it there. I really thank you so much. God bless you, Art. Thank you. Well, I don't want this episode to end. Um, but I think I have to. It just feels natural to end it right now. I uh, I hope that I can grow in ways. I hope that I can put more production behind the show in a way that I that I've always envisioned it. And I'm gonna try to do my best for that. I know I'll never be anything close to Art Bell, but it's better than I guess most of the stuff we have today, right? Not that anything is bad, but. You know, I think people are missing the mark. We're missing that style. And all I want is to bring some of that back. Some of that magic. So I suppose that the conversation is coming to an end. The sun is setting on this conversation. And I want to thank you all. I appreciate you all. Thank you. I want to thank you, Art, for inspiring me. This is only the beginning for me, in the sense of the show. And if I could, if I could be anything close, if I could do anything close to what he did, or if I could mimic something that he did, it's that I would love to be a part of your day. I would love to be a part of your nights, your mornings. Even if it's for a little bit, it would mean the world to me. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. This has been your host, Tuesday, from west of the Rockies, in the high desert, in the great American Southwest, from the great state of Utah. I bid you all a good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And I hope you have a good night. In honor of Art Bell, the song of the week, the song of the week will be right back where we started from. I believe that is the title. Let me triple check. Let me triple check. Yes, right back where we started from. By Maxine Nightingale. I'll say that one more time. In honor of art and everything in between. Right back where we started from by Maxine Nightingale.
Art played that a lot on his show. So, to end this, let's go back. Let's go right back where we started from. Have a great night, everybody. Until next time. See ya. It's been a wonderful night of talk radio. We could use hours more, but don't have them. Take care. Good night. Ha, 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 ha.